Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Welcome back to another episode of the Common Sense Podcast. My name is Still Patrick. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> <laughs> You leave that little like it's like a little lull before you say the next thing that like it makes it sound like you're about to say it, but then you don't. So it's like, okay, wait, what? I'm just gonna keep saying it until I figure out something else to say. Um, happy 2019, everyone. I hope that your holidays were prosperous and that you, you know, sipped some champagne. You figured out which B2K um, tour date you will be attending in the spring slash summer and that you are ready to tackle those New Year's resolutions in the classroom and outside of the classroom. You feel me? I need to find out where I'm ordering my Melissa's from to wear to the <laughs> to the concert. Right. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. I was telling my friends, I said, we need to go to... A real ratch, like you know, place. So I think we're gonna go to Atlanta um, <laughs> for for the concert. I'm, I'm not against traveling for this concert, so no, it's gonna be I incredible. Need to relive everything. So, folks, we are bringing you a special two part episode today. We are bringing you what I could basically compare as um, or compare to an American crime story um, or something off the ID network. We are bringing you the true story of Doug Lamov and the infamous education Bible, Teach Like a Champion. In this first episode, we're going to dive into the very inconsistent um and really fascinating um trajectory of Doug Lamov. And in the second episode, we are gonna get into uh breaking down Teach Like a Champion, um, some of the questions and comments that you all had, um, and how it is being used today currently. So sit back, relax. Uh okay, Anthony is I'm I'm doing a lot. But we're bringing you something new. We like to call this segment Beyond the Lessons. So our story starts here. According to School Week article, Lamov was born in Washington, D.C. in 1967 in what he describes as the heyday of the hippie movement. He had a strong interest in social policy. The article states that his interest in social policy can perhaps be traced back to the dinner table conversations his parents had with him and his older sister, Becky. We also learned that Doug Lamov's family left the D.C. city life for the suburbs when Lamov was a child. Uh, they left because his father was held up at gunpoint, and Lamov describes this experience as very American. 
Okay, so when you said that he his family left the city life for the suburbs, it made me think of a book um, that came out this year or maybe 2017. Yeah, that was probably 2017, I think. It's called The Color of Law, A Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America. And it's by Richard Rothstein. And it just kind of goes into um, showing how government policies led to the creation of officially segregated areas mm. and how... Like, it, it's not by chance that, you know, Black Americans ended up, um, what's the word, so, like, concentrated in the city, and then white people, like, moved out towards the suburbs. Like, that's not by chance. It was by design. Um, so I thought I'd plug that book in if anyone wants to maybe read a little bit more on that. Do, do we know what race Doug Lamov is? You know, that's really interesting. He looks really racially ambiguous to me. Okay. That matters here, but I'm, I'm... It does matter here. Um, His family naming his sister Becky? <laughs> okay. Check. Moving on. Moving on. I'm trying to look at if I see anything that would allude to him not being white. <clears throat> let's let's move. But getting back on track, growing up, Doug Lamov described himself as an unremarkable student, even though he was labeled as a faux intellectual. Um, he says that because he listened to art, rock, and all things that intellectuals would listen to. I'm not sure that I would classify art rock <laughs> as something that intellectuals will listen to. Um, but, you know, we all have our different views. He contributes this unremarkable labeling to the failing of who he really was. He describes himself as an introvert and says that he shouldn't have had to be success, shouldn't have had to be social in order to be successful. I find it interesting because he hasn't really gone out to investigate like how students learn or students identities but instead he is like spending a lot of time focusing on teacher magic if you will um and so i i was confused in this interview <laughs> that he spent his time saying that um because it doesn't connect to what he's doing now at all right but maybe it's this idea that he would have been able to show more of who he was if the teachers weren't wasting time on the things that he's trying to fix now with his magic book. I don't know. But he does say that he recounts a time in school where he would aim rubber bands at other students, though he said he would never actually shoot it. Um, he says that there were two types of teachers, one that would never notice that he was doing this in the first place and would be completely oblivious. And then there were um, teachers who would give him the magic stare and would make him stop. He says that the school culture at, you know, at his schools growing up never really, quote unquote, helped him um, in his trajectory um, in K through 12. But from these moments, behavior management has always been on his mind. So I find like Doug Lamar's like the his upbringing or what he chooses to share about his upbringing, I don't really find that to be like a direct connection to his current career and like what he's done in education reform. 
Um, you, you would think that he would share really chaotic experiences in the classroom. No, it's really lukewarm no? to me. No, no, no. Like I'm saying that based on what his book is and what he is doing now from what we can see, you would think that his K-12 experiences would have been really chaotic. I would no. think so. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was shocked that his... <laughs> that the moments that he shared still led him to teaching, I guess, all of that. <laughs> he started his teaching career right after he graduated from Hamilton College. Uh, he got a degree in English. Not sure if that was like English literature or just like n- n- regular ass English or like English education. It was not, <laughs> it, w- it, w- it was not really clear it was really confusing um, trying to kind of figure this piece out because as prominent as Doug Lamoff is in the teaching world, whether we like it or not, there is not an extensive bio put out by Doug Lamoff. Um, so I had to piece together a lot of things to try to figure out what happened with him after he graduated college to Like, how did he get to where he is now? So he started his teaching career right after he graduated Hamilton College, um, and he graduated with a degree in English. Doug Lamar's teaching career started and ended at Princeton Day School, uh, which is in Princeton, New Jersey. The New York Times says that his heartfelt lesson plans, writing your journal while listening to music or analyze songs by the Beatles, um, that they received blank stares from students. Doug Lamoff said, quote, I still remember thinking, oh, my God, I still have 45 minutes left to go, end quote. Uh, he said that things improved over times, but very, very slowly. Um, what's most interesting is that Doug Lamoff hardly ever mentions his very short teaching career on any of his professional platforms, whether that's LinkedIn, whether that's the Uncommon Schools website, whether that's his own website. Um, Even when I went to his uh, training way back in the day, Doug Lamov never stated that or never reflected on his experience as a teacher. The little bit about his heartfelt lesson plan um. And how he doesn't mention his teaching career kind of, for me, alludes to the fact that his degree was not education related. Um, Because so many of us, like if we go to school to become a teacher, have any intention on becoming a teacher at some point, like, like we share that, right? And so, like you said, it's really interesting and confusing that there's no record or not that there isn't any record because we found it, but you have to dig to find out where this man taught. Um. Even, so right now he works with Uncommon Schools, um, and even his bio on the Uncommon Schools website is very generic, like you said, doesn't mention his teaching experience, um, and it's very vague, very vague. Like, you don't come away knowing too much about him, but in an interview he was asked which of his previous jobs before Uncommon Schools was his favorite, and he doesn't answer that question directly. He just says that he loves his job now, which is <laughs> like what? I know that people want to like represent their current position well, right? But it is not unusual to speak about 
a previous position that you've been in. What we know for sure, though, is that Doug Lamov taught for a few short years, likely no more than three. We're also sure that Doug Lamov is a part of founding the school Pacific Rim Charter School in Boston, Massachusetts. He was the dean of students there, and he became the principal at 28, or age 28. Um, Though Doug Lamov says that he struggled in this role because students, according to the New York Times, wouldn't follow his directions on the first day despite his being over six feet and over 200 pounds. Like, wow, just your presence is going to make kids follow instructions. Doesn't work like Doesn't that. Doesn't work like that at all. Um, this part, like this part of his life is really interesting to me because it's like he speeds through like the ladder of education jobs, right? You know, he was a teacher, I don't know if he taught for one, two, or three years. I know it could not have been more than three. But then he goes to then uh, f- founding a school, uh, the Pacific Rim Charter School, with some like-minded people, with some friends, right? Um, he becomes the dean of students. I know. And then the next year or the year after, he becomes the principal. and He's only 28 years old. And this is like one of his first times that he is uh, leading a school with just ambition, really. Ambition. You would think that his combined experience of being a teacher and being a principal and, like, founding a school, you would really think that he would share those experiences in his trainings and in his book. But that's not what you find. Nope. Really, really, really. Like, it's it's troubling the more you think about it because it's like, why don't you want to share those experiences? You also may not have known that after being a principal for a very short amount of time, um, Doug Lamoff left to become the vice president of accountability for the State University of New York Charter School Institute. Um, his job was to oversee the academic accountability of charter schools. And after just two years of doing this, he enrolled in Harvard to get his MBA. And from here, he became an education consultant. Uh, Doug Lamoff says that he's very grateful for the teaching at Harvard because it informed his own style of teaching, though he never went back into the classroom after that. But he said that the teaching at Harvard helped to mold many of his techniques, such as cold calling. Um, But in that same interview, he said that he adapted cold calling heavily. I'm trying not to laugh because it's just like, you you really think you invented cold calling? (laughs) Like, no, no, you didn't. (laughs) And the fact that he's like, like, owning that and that it's in a book that this is his strategy. It's like, Bruh. Yeah, no. I can. I we'll get into this in part two. But so many people said like, "Oh yeah, I still use some of his techniques today, like cold calling." I'm like, "Wow, he is like, he is really king of cold call." Wow, interesting. So it's unclear when Doug Lamov joined Uncommon Schools, a charter management organization that started in 2005. Uncommon Schools is praised heavily for their high academic results on the East Coast with predominantly black and brown students who come from low-income neighborhoods, you know, regular charter population. We do know, though, that according to New York Times, Uncommon Schools funded Doug Lamov's expedition to study teachers. Doug Lamov believed through his experiences that teachers were unprepared to enter the classroom due to too much emphasis on theory in their undergrad programs and not enough emphasis on the nuts and bolts of teaching. Um... Random fact, or not fact, but like, I did not know what Uncommon Schools was until 
I think my second semester, my senior year, like I was applying to schools and I kept getting emails from uncommon schools. And I was like frustrated because like I'd gotten TFA emails like right before and I sent like a very heavily worded email, like, please do not send me this. It's it's offensive that you think I would join your institute. Like I have no interest, blah, 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 get rid of my email. And then shortly after I started getting things from uncommon schools. And if you don't like dig and look into what they're doing, the way that they market themselves, you would think that like great things. And I don't, I don't want to say that like every school is awful, right? But like you would come away thinking, oh, this is a great program. This is somewhere I'd want to teach just because of the videos and information they share online. Um, and so finding out that Doug Lamov and like TLAC is tied to Uncommon Schools, like now I'm like thinking back like, oh, dang, wow. Just thinking of how I learned about Uncommon Schools. I don't know. Um, I do think, though, that so many of us walk away with too much emphasis on the theory. And not enough like practical. Like I, I wouldn't say I disagree with that. Well, I think so much of the issue, I think that that extends outside of education in general. I think that's a higher ed issue where we don't spend enough time translating the theory into practice. They're not two separate entities. You know what I'm saying? Your theory informs your practice. That's the whole purpose of theory. So yeah. if all we're doing is seeing this as two separate things, as undergraduate college and, um, you know, teach like a champion, then that then sets the stage for anybody can be a teacher. Anyone can be a teacher uh, now? I, well, that is the reality today. But this frame of thinking that too much theory is the problem is the issue because some of us don't have enough theory. That's okay. When you frame it that way, that's that's true. I think I was just I was looking at it like on the flip side. Like I would have appreciated more emphasis on like seeing seeing it in practice, like putting the theory into practice. Because a undergrad is like you do so much of like pretend. That it, it gets like, <laughs> it gets yeah. repetitive and boring. And then you're, you're like, I want to do some real teaching, right? That's why I joined Teach for America when I was younger, because I was like, I'm I'm ready to get in, into the classroom. Forget student teaching. Like, I've had enough of the pretend play play. I've been playing school since I was seven. Pretend play play. <laughs> and so with that, Doug Lamoff's expedition into studying teachers really set the stage for Teach Like a Champion and the uprising of uncommon schools. And we'll get into that right after this break. Yeah. Hey, y'all. While you have a quick second, if you could just go to our iTunes page and leave us a comment, tell us how we're doing on the podcast, what you love, what you'd love to hear more of, and leave us a five-star rating. Thank you. We'll be back in a second. Yeah. So Doug Lamov's expedition into studying teachers is really interesting. In the last part, we discussed in his childhood that he was, quote unquote, fascinated, if you will, with behavior management, right? Ever since he was a, quote unquote, unremarkable student in his younger days. Um, and so kind of fast forwarding to the early 2000s, if you will. Doug Lamoff wanted to study 
teachers um, because he was really interested in figuring out how to make students pay attention. That was like his thing. He truly believed that students can't learn unless teachers can make them pay attention. So he hired a wedding videographer through one of his friends, and they spent five years at the North Star Academy in Newark, New Jersey. Now, the interesting thing about that school is that that was the very first school that Uncommon Schools founded in the year 1997. I don't think I realized charters have been around that long. Yeah, that's that's really tough. I had no like, idea. I was in kindergarten, maybe. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Um, this expedition in in, in, in that five year journey um, turned into you know this over three hundred page book, uh, which many people used to refer it referred to it as um, Lamov's Taxonomy, um, which eventually became Teach Like a Champion. So basically, Doug Lamov started as a consultant in Uncommon Schools and then eventually worked his way up traveling, you, you know, to new, to North Star Academy and other schools, right? He first did on his own dime, but eventually Uncommon Schools hired him on and they started to pay for him to go to these other schools, including their own school, North Star Academy in Newark. So it seems like Uncommon Schools, instead of deciding to try to buy talent, right? Like, um, can you still hear me? Oh, okay. So it seems Uncommon Schools, instead of trying to buy talent, they would instead try to build it. So when you think of it that way, it's like, okay, we'll take these fresh undergrad students and we'll, we'll create a program that We'll teach them what we think they need to know. Um, so today, Lamov's taxonomy is part of a complex hiring, or not hiring, but it's part of a complex training program at Uncommon Schools that starts with new hires and continues throughout their careers. And Lamov began expanding this beyond Uncommon, school, Uncommon Schools only recently, offering workshops like the one you said you've attended to a wider audience. I've never attended one of his trainings. I did have the book thrown at me, well, not thrown at me, but like thrust into my hands my first year. Um, but I didn't even know like who Doug Lamov was before that first year, but it was never mentioned in my undergrad program, thankfully. Um, so yeah. His main clients are other charter schools, but they also include Teach for America and an immersive training program in Boston called the Match Teacher Residency that uses medical school as a model for preparing educators, according to the New York Times. They also state that his methods are also used at Teacher U, a new teacher training program in which Uncommon Schools is a partner. Lamov is interested in offering teachers what he describes as an incentive just as powerful as cash the chance to get better. If it's just a big pie, then it's just a question of who's getting the good teachers. Lamov told the New York Times, he said, the really good question is, can you get people to improve really fast and at scale? I think he poses a really good question. And I was going to say that. Well, I think the first part of this is, do you believe that teaching is a gift? Because he doesn't. So Lamar fundamentally believes that good teachers are made. They're not born. 
I mean, it's hard to take away anything from what he believes to be, like, the best way to get teachers to be better when I don't know anything about your teaching experience. I'm sorry. Do you think it's like when important? you go, I think it is. When you can't, like, in my opinion, the fact that you went out and you created, like, this handbook for teachers to use to, like, teach better and save time and but there's no practical and I probably still wouldn't use it because of the the techniques I do not tear like I don't agree with um but it's hard for me to buy into this when I don't know anything about your experience as a teacher I was talking to someone recently and they were basically saying that this is actually not recently but this conversation has stuck with me on if teaching experience is really necessary to train teachers. I mean, that's why we're in the situation we're in now, because people who are not teachers and have no experience as teachers keep making decisions for us. I think there's a level of empathy that you need or that you get from being a classroom teacher that you need in order to make effective decisions. And I don't think that you get that or you truly understand that in one, two or three years. That's just my personal opinion. Um, I also like, well, here comes this magic question again, which is like, well, if you need teaching experience, fine. That's what Teach for America is for, right? Teach for America gives these folks who are in these high roles, um, the like the teaching experience, the level of empathy so that they then can advocate for all students to have a high quality education one day. Right. So um, I think I would totally disagree with Lamov's. Well, first, let, let me stop. I would agree with Lamov's sense of urgency. I totally understand that we have children who come from low-income backgrounds, children who are, I hate saying this, but I can't think of another word right right now, who are, quote-unquote, at risk, and we need them to have a solid education now, not three yeah, years from now. Yeah, there's no time to waste. No time to waste, not three years from now, um, and that, yes, there is a teaching shortage, and it's not fair that there are some people who are getting really high-quality teachers and there are some people who are not. So his idea to problem solve that by creating this um this method or way of thinking or whatever to kind of help teachers improve quickly i totally understand the sentiments but i don't think that this like microwave microwave popcorn pd is truly the answer based on my education philosophy you know what I'm saying? Like, if we're trying to imp- imp- improve test scores and make schools high performing based on white people's understanding or white people's um, standards, then, yeah, this will definitely work. But if we're talking about true liberation, if we're talking about um, creating critical thinkers and students, if we're talking about, like, really elevating creativity, like, that stuff takes time it takes action research. It takes creativity. It takes collaboration. It takes failure. And that kind of stuff, 
for me, you cannot find in a text or like in like um in a bullet point, right? Like like it truly takes something greater, something higher. I don't know. But then you have to like consider what is the school's goal. Because all the things that you just listed are not goals for a lot of schools. That's true. So, like, that's what we envision schools wanting to do for students and providing for students. But in reality, I mean, it's those test scores. And so the concern about creating critical thinkers and having time and uh, and room for creative exploration and going into units and just taking things beyond a four-part multiple-choice question, like, That's not what's happening. And so for a school that's like hung up on test scores because maybe that's how they get their funding, like I could see how Doug LaMalve's little book looks really enticing, right? Because then I can get the kids to be compliant, then they'll be quiet, then I can teach, then they can test. But that's not what education is supposed to be. It's not what it's supposed to look like, sound like. It's like, like you said, it's it's against my philosophy of education. So since the release of Teach Like a Champion in 2010 and then Teach Like a Champion 2.0 in 2015, Doug Lamar's has sold over 1 million copies of this book. And in the next episode, we are going to really dive into the text of Teach Like a Champion and what are the big conceptual ideas that come out of the super practical text. That sounded really academic. Y'all know it is not going to be <laughs> that that rigid, but uh, but but that's what we're aiming to do. We would love to know what you think about Doug Lamar's history. What did we miss? What do you know for sure? Um, and what are your thoughts on his big ideas and questions that he is bringing into the education landscape? Let us know on Twitter and on Instagram. And we would love to have that dialogue with you. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Lessons. Shout out to Antonia for that name. (laughs) And we'll see you next time for part two. Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense Podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early. You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them, and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted. Yes, and we'll see you next time.